0: Listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts: Andrew Forbes, Peter Baracchini, and Alex Hopton.
1: Well, hello everybody, and welcome to episode one fourteen of Sticks in the Six. We are live here today after a big blockbuster deal last night, boys. And as you can see, we've all got the passion going today. We felt like we should represent the team that going out and making the big move but uh before we get into all the leaf talk that we have
2: today uh boys how are you doing today alex we'll throw it to you first welcome back thanks man yeah it's been a couple of weeks since i've uh, been here but I'm, I'm really glad to be back i was out of the province for a couple of weeks and the mm-hmm. whole time i was sitting there manifesting a trade and it, it ended up working um i was just telling you guys before we went live that uh, i'm immensely grateful that this trade happened on a friday night because i'm laying in bed around 11 o'clock just I actually that's a lie. I was out in my living with my roommates <laughs> and I pulled up, I pulled up my phone and I saw a notification from my friend adding me in a tweet just saying, at A Hobson Media, how we feeling? And I was like, oh shit, something went down. <laughs> I opened Twitter. I see the trade and <laughs> I just kind of sat there and started like making these screeching noises. And he kept saying my roommate kept saying, like, what's going on? Like what did did they make a trade? And I'm like, the least made a trade, they got a rally, they got a rally and uh, I just I couldn't get the words out I like it took me probably 10 minutes before I actually told him what the whole trade was and then I said all right I just I gotta go lie down I went into my room and I laid there probably for the next two hours just just <laughs> bathing in Twitter bathing in everything I you know what boys I tweeted like two weeks ago that I needed Kyle Dubas to make an absolute bone shaker of a trade and that I was fiending for one and that probably held up as good as any other trade could have and the fact that you know there's there's potential, and it sounds likely that they're going to be doing more moves as well. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm on cloud nine right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Peter, you jumped on a little show last night with uh,
1: the hockey writers' immediate reaction to the big blockbuster mm-hmm. deal. Um, but uh, before we get into all the implications that come with the Ryan O'Reilly trade. How are You doing this week, my friend?
0: Oh, uh, ecstatic, boys! Ecstatic. I mean, we're kind of like you, Alex. Like, we were hoping that a big move would happen at some point, and lo and behold, man, it that that is absolutely something. It's funny because you know, with all the fake accounts going around right now, especially during the you know era where you could just pay eight bucks for a blue check mark and you're an automatic source or whatever, you don't, I, I don't trust anybody, I really don't. So when I saw the news break and I'm seeing all these reporters doing it, I'm actually, I know that they're legit because I follow them right now. And I go into the following section on Twitter because that's who I follow. I'm double checking the sources. I'm double checking that it's Frank Saravali. I'm double checking that it's the Maple Leafs Twitter account that are like breaking this news right now because you don't know what to expect at this point. And then I saw like, it's the legit source that like, you know, Cerevalli's got like the, you know, Thirty plus k followers i guess i i don't even know what his count uh, count is the 2.7 million for the least and you're like okay that is legit this is real stuff and then at that point i'm like now what we made a big deal so I'm like where do we go from here and now it's now this is literally the time where it's it's all in time this is the moment for the team where right now this is it this is where the grind starts
2: yeah, it's funny. Sorry, Andrew. I just want to butt in real quick again, just to say, uh, first of all, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Peter, because Kyle Dubas, I found, have, over past trade deadlines, has always made deals that have improved the team. Like, mm-hmm. even the Nick Felino deal, as bad as it turned out, there was a purpose to that trade, and it was he was supposed to fill a good role on that team. Jake Muzzin, he fills a purpose. <clears throat> Mark Giordano, he filled a purpose. Jack Campbell, he filled a purpose. But especially at the trade deadline, the Leafs have never been the team to go big game hunting. So when we're sitting here taking in all this speculation, um, we're sitting here taking all this speculation and hearing, oh, the Leafs are in on Timo Meyer. The Leafs are in on Jacob And It's like, yeah, okay, show me, show me, and then I'll be excited. (laughs) But so I'm going to be honest, as much as I was holding out hope that they'd go for one of those bigger names, I wasn't letting myself get too excited. And I think that's why I've been on such an adrenaline high over the past 24 hours, because, You know, you don't want to be the guys like, yeah, this is the year. This is the year. But at the same time, you know, they've never made a big move like this at the deadline. So uh, and I was it's funny. I actually did. I wanted to jump on that uh, show with you last night. But (laughs) to be completely honest, before Matt had uh, asked us, I, I, I had smoked a massive joint. And I was laying in bed and I was just on cloud nine. And I'm like, if I go on the air with Peter and Matt right now, I'm probably going to get fired from the hockey writers. So I'm gonna sit this one out. <laughs> it's okay. uh, celebration brother, day, boys. Celebration day. That's <laughs> right. That's
1: right. We all we all have our ways. Um, but no, I I I'm right there with you. The only the only thing I had, boys, with this with this move was that uh, completely nullified that that recent article I wrote for the hockey writers where I said the Leafs shouldn't go after a big name and then <laughs> <laughs> take this and he goes out and gets Ryan O'Reilly. So I'm, uh, I'm absolutely ecstatic. I think, um, you know, as, uh, as you guys have said, we're going to get into it a little bit more in depth here in a second, but, um, it was, it was such a big, big uh, thing to do on a Friday night at like
0: 11 o'clock and, um, it was what peak Kyle Dubas time to like drop it a, like a big news bomb at that point. I am suspecting Absolutely. nobody expected that and it's just out of the blue. You know Absolutely. what? The other
2: thing too is that it's just, it's just, uh, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot what I was going to say. I had something right <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. As you can tell, my brain is, he is he still excited, kind man? of <laughs> A million miles an hour. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I just remembered. Uh, the other thing too about it is that it just goes to show, and people mentioned this on Twitter all all night last night. People are still talking about it. Insiders do not have a clue about the Leafs. They have no clue. You know, that, uh, and with all due respect to Frank Cervalli, because he does have better sources than any of us do, you could see a little bit of annoyance. You could sense a little bit of annoyance in his tweet about mm-hmm. how what Dubas did went directly against everything mm-hmm. that he told the reporters and insiders at that post-All-Star break media availability. And it's just funny. Because it, it you know it just reinforces the fact that Kyle Dubas works in silence and these insiders just don't know anything. Like Elliot Friedman reported that the Leafs were working on something literally 30 seconds before Lease PR announced the trade. So, you know, I think this year more than any other year should serve it should serve as a reminder to not take everything that the insiders say at full face value. Like you know, they'll they'll report on what they hear and they'll report on what their sources are telling them. But when it concerns the Leafs, they never really know.
0: And even so, like that also just proves how much of a poker face that Kyle Dubas has. Like he held this close to his chest. Like we don't know how long this has been in the works for, but like it seemed like everything started to pick up steam like hours before game times last night. And now all of a sudden you hear about this. You even heard about them possibly being in on Patrick Kane. But now this throws Patrick Kane out, Thank maybe God. for a new destination too. I I want to get to that later on too, because I have a take for that. But at the same time, it's like now, now with Patrick Kane, not in the mix anymore, Ryan O'Reilly's going to uh, Toronto. This seems more like that move that Kyle Dubas needed as opposed to going out and getting a Patrick Kane more so than anything.
1: And here, here you go, boys. Here's the, here's the passion of Leafs nation right now, tuning in at two o'clock in the afternoon, Cody Bissell. uh, Thanks for tuning in on Facebook. Go Leafs go. Absolutely. Buddy. Um, we're we're just as excited as you are as you can see, <laughs> um, but uh, let's get right into the trade. Everything everything on this show right now is going to do have everything to do circling around the trade deadline and the and the Leafs and what they've done with the O'Reilly move and, and all the implications that that come with it. Um, but for those of you that have been living under a rock for the last twelve hours, um, the Leafs went out and got Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Char, Nola Chari. And uh, I believe what's the what's the last piece that they got from Minnesota? Uh,
2: it was, Josh Pilar.
1: Josh, Josh Pilar. So I'll, I'll admittedly say I don't know much about him, um, but unsigned uh, prospect. Yeah, I think yeah, that, I think
2: he was born in like 2002 or something, right? He's in his last year mm-hmm. of junior.
1: Yeah, so he's an overager right now. But um, that uh, that said, the Leafs give up Mikhail Abramov, uh, Adam Godet. They gave up their first round pick in 23. Ottawa's third in 23. Toronto's uh, second pit round pick in 24 Minnesota received the uh, Toronto's fourth round pick in 25 to retain 25% of um, O'Reilly's salary. So biggest news from this deal might be the salary that they're, they're going to end up paying Ryan O'Reilly and what they were able to do with it, leaving them with just over 4 million in cap space. Um, Peter, let's throw it to you. It's a we, we were kind of wondering if, you know, the lease were gonna move that first round pick. They end up moving it for two uh you, you you can call them rentals, I guess. We don't know if there's anything gonna come from this, but uh your thoughts on moving that first round pick for uh in this big Ryan O'Reilly trade.
0: Yeah, and even going back to what Alex said before, like Dubis literally contradicted himself. And I'm reading like a Mark Masters piece on Dubis's deadline approach, where he said he wasn't going to move high-end draft capital, which is like you know top prospects, first-round picks. And it's kind of funny because literally I was watching that Sarnia Sting London Knights game, and I was watching Oliver Bonk, and I tweeted out, you know, how great would it be if the Maple <laughs> Leafs keep their first overall or first-round pick? Oliver Bach is there. They He seems like the type of Maple Leaf player they would, or type of player the Maple Leafs would go after. Well, uh, you can guess what happened because I'm like, well, there goes my dream of that <laughs> happening because, uh, you know, I got a substantial amount of likes and stuff. And I'm like, oh, Well, well, what, what are you going to do?
2: This but, draft um, this year, Peter, for you as a draft nut, it's going to be amazing. But as a Leafs fan, it's going to be a real boring day for you. It, it's painful. <laughs> I will say that. But then again, with this first
0: round pick, the Maple Leafs may not even take Oliver Blanc and that because it's a late first, possibly you don't know how that pick is going to pan out. Um, Different situation where they traded it last year to take uh, to Chicago to take Peter Morazic off their hands. But this is a bigger one because in reality, yeah, I would have liked to hold on that pick, but if you're the Maple Leafs right now, you have to trade that pick. And if the fact that you only traded the first, the third that you got from Ottawa, it may seem a lot with all the picks that you're giving up, but then again, you're in it to win it right now. You're not you're not going to sit idly by when you see Tampa Bay and Boston pop- possibly make big time deals, and then you see the Maple Leafs just do depth ones. No, you have to go big, and Kyle Dubis went big with this trade. Um Yeah, I I, I do think that. Another big point is, you know, the prospect that they gave up as a BCT or level prospect in Mikhail Abramov, you still hang on to Matthew Nyes, Fraser Minton, Topi uh, Niamela, Ronnie Hirvanen. And even, and even uh, they even mentioned uh, today during the press conference, Dubas has been impressed by Nikita Grebjankin, who I've been a big, you know, supporter of and pumping the tires on him or you know pump, uh, because of the fact that he's had a great season in the KHO because they have depth right now and now the fact that you d- didn't give up matthew nice this serves as an opportunity for him to possibly come into this lineup make a significant impact and be a part of that that future right now whether ryan is going to be a short time with ryan O'Reilly or not because now you have you still have your depth pieces and players to come in right away but overall Fantastic move. Yeah, it's risky. Yeah, people are going to say, yeah, you gave up a lot of picks. But at the same time, you don't know how those late-round picks are going to pan out. So, all in all, big W for Kyle Dubas in the lease.
1: How great would it have been if Dubas liked your tweet on Oliver Bonk and then went and made that deal?
0: Oh, that, 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 that would have just been icing on the cake. I would, <laughs> would have, have been heard icing even on even more. <laughs> that would have hurt even more, yeah. I, I, I probably would have replied to him and be like, listen, Kyle, with all due respect, thank <laughs> you, but – What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Alex, the Leafs right now
1: are looking at two picks in the upcoming draft, possibly a third. Um, What are your thoughts on giving up that first round, knowing that, you know, O'Reilly and Achari are both, you know, up for contract at the end of this season? And the Leafs with their cap situation, with this whole Bali sports and everything that's going on, there could be a a hit to the NHL's overall uh, cap situation.
2: I don't give a shit. I'm not thinking about any of that right now. I'm thinking about the fact that Ryan O'Reilly's a fucking leaf. <laughs> like, listen, I, that's a question you can ask me at the end of the season when either the Leafs finally overcame their demons and won a round, or lost in the first round again somehow. Then you ask me how I feel about their draft situation. But right now, I don't care, man. You know, you can sit down and you can think about how. It's, it's potentially risky that the Leafs only have three picks in this year's draft. I think it's like a third, a sixth, and a seventh or something like that. So you can sit back and think about that in the future, but the reality is the it's, it, it's not time to think about the future. It's time to think about right now. And like Peter said, you know when you're competing with Tampa and Boston and people keep saying the Leafs have a hard path to the cup this year, going through Tampa, Boston, and then whoever ends up being in the conference final, hypothetically, if they were to go all that way, I mean, you got to make a move like that, even if it involves giving up a first round pick for a rental. So I think that for a move like that, it's just as important to keep O'Reilly away from teams like Tampa and Boston as it is to improve the team. And I said that in a tweet earlier, because Realistically, let, let let's let us let us think about this for a second. We look back at the trade that Tampa made last year for Brandon Hagel. Remember? They they go out and they trade two first round picks, two prospects. It was a hefty, hefty deal for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But in a sense, it ended up panning out for them because, you know, they didn't win the cup, but they did make it to the cup final. So we know that Tampa can make those big, ballsy moves. We know that Boston will more than happily make those big, ballsy moves. Could you imagine what the what the mood right now would be if we were sitting back and discussing the, how the Leafs traded for Vladislav Gavrikov and how they had to go into the first round against Tampa Bay after Tampa acquired Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine the Leafs playing a lightning team with O'Reilly and Achari on it? It wouldn't go well. And you know, I'm not saying that those guys would single-handedly dismantle the Leafs in the playoffs, but they're the exact type of players that have that have hurt the Leafs in the playoffs these past few years. Fuck Achari was on the Bruins in, in 2019 and 2018, I'm pretty sure, when they eliminated the Leafs in the first round. So Nick Paul Nick Paul last year. Nick Paul last Bay, year, right? Nick, Nick Felino with the Nick Foligno. ironically enough with the blue jackets. Like it's, I would even say Brendan Hagel too. Brendan Hagel looked yeah. great for Tampa Bay as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just one of those trades that you, you can't, you can't sit back and worry about what you gave up, because imagine what people would be saying if the Leafs did just go depth, and we're sitting here with a barely improved team, looking at two teams in Tampa and Boston that hypothetically, I'm just assuming that they're going to improve, or that they would improve if the Leafs sat back. Imagine if we're just sitting here talking about how, talking about how you know the Leafs maybe added one or two depth guys, Tampa Bay made the big swing. It's pretty much the same situation they were in last year. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm not thinking about the first round pick cause you know, it's a good draft. So that, that part kind of sucks, but the first round pick is going to be between 25th and 32nd overall. And you know, it, it's, it, but beyond that, what is it? A second round pick, a third, a fourth, and then, Fifth. And then what? Third? No, not not a fifth.
0: Wait, conditional third because of that Arizona trade with Ilya Labushkin, I believe. Yes, yes. And the yes. fifth and sixth. So there may be a possibility
2: that they won't pick until round five. And you know what? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Sh- you know what? D- sh- er, sh- not Chicago. Jeez, Colorado's draft class last year after they made all their trades for Manson, Leckanin, Cogliano, Sturm, yeah. all all them. They I think they picked in the sixth and seventh round. Do you see them worrying about, about their prospect capital or whatever? Like you said, Peter, they held on to their pros, a lot of their good prospects. Mikhail Abramov's fine, but he's not somebody yeah. that the Leafs should be worried about losing, I don't think. Adam mm-hmm. Godette, you know, did well with the Marlies. Don't think he was ever going to get an extended look with the Leafs. And then the draft picks are draft picks. They could be anything. So, yeah. you know, I, I respect Dubas for having the balls to make a move like this because the team needed it. And then when you factor in the salary retention too – they got O'Reilly making $1.8 million against the cap. That's Achari, $1.2 million. They got $4 million and potentially more to work with in cap space to add a defenseman, like he said, and then maybe even another forward. So Dubas is going all in this year, and I couldn't be more here for it.
0: It's funny. Colorado didn't pick until, yeah, round six, and they took Chris Romain and then Ivan Shigalov in the seventh round. So they had two picks. Then again, if you if you're willing to trade those picks – and the end result is success, a deep playoff run, and something to look forward to, who really cares?
1: Two more quick comments here from Cody, and we're going to touch on both of these in a sec here. But this year's draft is pretty weak. I believe that's why Dubis was fine with getting rid of this year's pick. And then he goes and says, uh, this team has been notably good at plucking guys out of the KHL as well. That helps for future the future as well. Um, I, I would say that this is probably one of your best drafts in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is so a good draft. Deepest a, it, since it is a very good draft, very deep draft, uh, especially in that first round, first round you're getting like some of the guys you're going to get late in that first round are going to be, would be like top 10 picks in, in other draft classes. Um, but in saying that we have also seen Dubas make some moves on trade day that has, you know, gotten him maybe two, two lower picks for, for an earlier pick or what have you. So it's not completely out of the question that this is this is the draft picks that we're going to end up with as, as Maple Leaf fans either. Uh, and that's, that's notable as well. But I, I do have to say, like, I wasn't ready to say that this team's good to go all in. Like, for me, it was always, like, get past the first round, then we can focus on going all in. Mm-hmm. That said, when you can get a guy like Ryan O'Reilly with his pedigree, his Conn Smythe trophy, his uh, Stanley Cup uh, experience, and you can get him for $1.8 million and still have room to possibly bring in a guy like maybe Jake McCabe, uh, maybe Gavrikov is a guy that we have a conversation about. Um, there's still a lot of room for this team to make that extra move and really in this deal they filled two spots on a roster that maybe didn't need that depth player in Achari, but now you've got a guy who has that playoff experience as well in Achari, uh, filling in in the bottom six as well. Um, and Peter, I know you got a great comment today about how Pierre Engvall is better than Achari. I know you were a little, little uh, off base on trying to comment back, but <laughs> I mean, when you look at it, when you look at the experience and what Achari brings to this lineup, you have to be pleasantly, um, not pleasantly surprised, but really happy with what Dubas has done with what he has. And, and really, I mean, to start the year with what we had $4 in cap space and to be where we are now. um, I I think that's, that's a huge Testament to what he's done as, as the general manager here. And they are all in at this point, Mm -hmm. they are all in, they're going to make another move. Um, One of the notes we have here is Darren Dreger's tweet on the, the sense around the Leafs right now is that this is not, this is not the end uh, for, for their deadline move. So uh, with that said, Alex, I'll throw it back to you. Is there, is there a move you'd like to see them go out and, and, and make Um, whether it be for a defenseman, whether it's, whether it's for another, another forward, and maybe they ship out
2: somebody on the, on the, uh, on
1: the front end there.
2: I think the next move has to be for a defenseman. And you know, I'm not on the train of all oh, the Leafs need to add a defenseman or else they're not going to make it far in the playoffs. Like, like every hater that's like oh, still thinks the Leafs have the worst defensive core and goaltending in the league and haven't adjusted from 2011. Um, I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy. I think that obviously getting forwards was the biggest target this year, and they've made good on that so far. But I still do think that they need to add a defenseman and it's just for the sole purpose that they don't have Mark Giordano and Justin Hall playing top four minutes in the playoffs. And that's really all it comes down to, you know, and, and with all due respect to Justin Hall, I think he's been better than he's gotten credit for this year. And, you know, Giordano has been a workhorse all season long, but the problem is Giordano is 39 years old. You don't want to put him in a position where his body breaks down. He gets slow in the playoffs and Justin Hall is, like, he. Sh- if, if anything, he should be a bottom-pairing defenseman. He should not be playing 24, 25 minutes a night. And I f- I worry that if the Leafs don't trade for a defenseman, that's going to happen again, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of expose their decor. Because remember, they don't have Muzzin this year. They had Jake Muzzin on their back end last year. So whether it's Jake McCabe or I don't think it'll be Gavrikov, because I'd have to imagine he'll be going for a first-round pick. But whether it's McCabe or somebody else, I do think that they need to add another defenseman, and mm-hmm. I think once they do that, then you can maybe ask the question of: uh, Do you want to keep adding? Do you want to bring in another depth forward? Do you want to uh, hold out hope and just try Matthew Nyes in that role and see how he does? Like, there's there, there's a lot of questions and a lot of roster, a, p- a lot of potential roster moves the Leafs could be making here, and essentially right now where we are, I think the big thing is just getting another defenseman. And I think once they're at that point, then you can sit back and wonder if the roster is good enough as is, or if it's something that still needs some more upgrades. But I think to make this a perfect deadline, the Leafs would go out and get a defenseman and maybe one more depth forward. But I, or not, not even a depth forward. I mean, if you really want to go after it, and you can somehow get a top six forward with the assets you have remaining, that gives you a third line of, say, I don't know, Yarn Croak. Achari and O'Reilly and that's probably one of the best third lines in the league if not the best so um, I'd like to see them prioritize a defenseman and then maybe just feel the market out and see what forwards are available for for re- reasonably cheap prices.
1: Peter some names that have been thrown out there, Connor Murphy is one of the guys that continually comes up with the Leafs. Um, I throw I throwed, uh, Edmondson, I think he's he's a possibility in, in uh, Montreal as well um, and then on top of that another name, obviously Luke Shen's been linked to the Leafs as well and Another guy that there's been some talk around in terms of him being a trade asset, this, this deadline is, is Sousy in, um, Mm. in uh, Seattle. Now for me, I can't see them making that move because where Seattle is right now. Yeah. But What are your thoughts on, on a possible target on the back end, knowing that or assuming let's assume that the Leafs don't go after another big name.
0: Yeah, I, I, the Susie talk really crept up because, you know, LA Freeman did mention, uh, you know, even Scott Lawton and uh, Susie at the same time. And I've written about both players in the past, especially Susie this year, where, and yeah, I agree that, you know, Carson Susie may be unlikely to be dealt because of the fact that Seattle is in the playoff hunt themselves. I don't think they want to trade one of their key players. But if it does happen, you do have a capable guy that can play you know, the left or right-hand side can play in the top four, can play in your bottom pairing. This guy can do it all. He's essentially, I, I would consider the defensive version of Noel Chari. Um, obviously, Noel Chari is very good defensively as well within his own zone in PK time. But, you know, Susi does bring that physical aspect. Same with Achari. Um Yeah, I, I think the possibility, of I would like to see, a re, uh, you know, a reunion with Luke Shen. I think he's shown in the past that he's able to put whatever, you know, um, you know, he was the spotlight that he faced in Toronto. He was rushed in as an 18-year-old defenseman, given that label, didn't, had some lulls in his game, but then managed to bounce back and find his consistency. So if they're able to do that and give him that role that he deserves, I think that would be huge. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would prefer both of those players. Maybe Jake McCabe as well. Um, then again, you're asking for first for salary retention that may not happen but then again if they're taking on a full salary that price may drop and that may go well for the maple Leafs, considering they do have those spaces or that space available with the remaining money that they have and also what's interesting right now they're mm-hmm. over the roster size of 24 and one under uh for maximum contracts right now so you can rest assured right now somebody is getting dealt in terms of like their death, whether it be you know, and Alex Kerfoot, the Pierre Engvall, Justin Hall, maybe if you could try and improve him, because let's face it, that game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, I really did. That was a very ugly game for Hall. And I know like Alex said, he's had had some good games, but now the bad habits are starting to creep in again. And when you let in Ken Johnson, as good of a player as he is, you can't let anybody walk in and just get bullied like that in front of the net. So they're able to find someone like a Susie that's able to hold his own box players out tie them up and make life difficult for them in front of the net that's going to be big and i think that if if it does come to one one of those two realistically luke shen unrealistically carson susie because i've liked his game so far
1: let's talk a little bit of implications when it comes to what happens with this o'reilly deal obviously Um, Right now there's news that Eric Schalgren was called up on an emergency basis. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really have to do with the trade. Albeit uh, Holmberg was sent down this, you know, kind of a question mark based on what he's done this so far this season and what he's provided for the Leafs. On top of that, um, we, we talk a little bit about, uh, sorry, Matt Murray was placed on LTIR. So that kind of frees up a little bit of cap space going into the deadline as well. Um, Peter, your thoughts on these moves And, and most, mostly about Pontus Holmberg, Obviously, you know, we've been, we've discussed him a number of times on this show and what our thoughts are on how he's played this season. Um, this is obviously just a move f- to make room for the the depth guys that you're bringing in Achari. We could possibly see Pontus Holmberg back this season.
0: Yeah, uh, I think you, I agree with you. You do want to get a sense of where you have or what you have with the players that you have right now, especially in terms of the experience in terms of NHLers um, as good as Holmberg has been. Yeah. Similar to Justin Hall. He's had had some hiccups into in his game um, though. He has been able to bounce back big time. And I think he's, he's proven that he could play in the NHL. There's no doubt about that. But when you make moves like these, um, some of these younger players that are looking for that spot, they got to up their game a little bit. And I think now the spotlight is not necessarily, or not the spotlight, but you know, management is looking for Holmberg to say, hey, we got these players in, we got another depth center slash winger in. Um, What are you going to do? You know, How are you going to improve your game? What are the steps you're going to take? How are you going to try and stay in the lineup and battle for that spot? And I think Holmberg can do that because he has shown time and time again where he may look like he may be coming out of the lineup and he still stays in because of the fact that he's had that senior and pro experience, especially over in Sweden. Um, I think that... It, it, it is interesting to see how it'll play out. And this isn't like a knock on Holmgren or Holmberg. Sorry. I, I combined Holmberg and Chalgren together there for a quick second. Holmgren. No, Hol, Holmgren. It's former Flyers um, GM. Paul there we Holmgren. go. <laughs> um, I think, I think it's just a, like, they just want to see him have that l- a little bit more fight into his game. And, you know, we've seen him in the fourth line. He can't play that role. Um, we'll see what happened because he has shown that he can be a presence and maintain that and be an NHL or everyday player in this league. So um, interesting to see how it plays out. But then again, if you have to send some players down, you got to, you got to think first experience pedigree and all that. And then Acharya and O'Reilly both have that to their resume.
1: Alex, Long-term IR used as a cap position right now for for Matt Murray, or is this something that we need to worry about going in? And what are your thoughts on on Holmberg? Is mm-hmm. it is this you know is this a guy we're going to see later going into the
2: season? Sorry, boys, I just burped right into the mic. Um, <laughs> 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 um I, I think Holmberg is a wild card. Like Duba said, you know, with the amount of forwards that they've added, I think that. You know, they can send him to the AHL and he can develop and it won't hurt his development or anything like that. Or they could use him. like they've, He's proven enough this year that he can more than hold his own in the NHL. He's outproduced players, certain players on the team. Oh my, I'm sorry. And um, yeah, I mean, the in terms of the LTIR thing for Murray... I think that if Samsonov keeps riding this hot streak and Joseph Wall's cool with being the backup and he gets a couple games in here or there and isn't completely out of place, I think that in that case, yeah, why not use him on LTIR? Because that way you can activate him for the playoffs when his salary won't matter against the cap. And if if he's healthy by then and if Samsonov starts to struggle or something, you know, you've got a guy there who can, who's gone to the cup final multiple times before he's been in the playoffs. He knows what it takes. So I think that it would be in their best interest to utilize the LTIR unless, unless it's not, unless Murray's at a point where in the next couple of weeks, you know, he might be able to look, he might, he might be able to make a bit of a bit of a sooner. I can't even put this sentence together unless, unless like Murray is in a position where his, his injury isn't bad enough that he can come back in a couple of weeks. Like, cause it is his ankle, right? Like, unless it's a really bad ankle injury, I don't know how much recovery that's going to take. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a doctor, but it's not like a, it, it's not like a knee injury or a, or a back injury like Felino had. So I think it really depends on Murray's status, but if it's, if it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he could come back before the season ends, but he might be better served just to, Focus on recovery and coming back at one hundred percent. Then, yeah, utilize that cap space.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm I completely agree. And right now, I think that's that's kind of where a lot of teams are at. And we've seen Alan Walsh tweet about long term IR and how it's kind of a mockery of the the hard cap and what have you. But at the same time, I mean, it's there for you to kind of utilize. And and at this point in time. I mean, I wrote a I wrote a piece what four years ago for for the hockey writers on the Patrick Kane loophole, and it's been used for Kuch- Kucherov multiple times. And uh, now, I mean, the Leafs have to utilize what they can to get them into a position to to be competitors in in the play come playoff time. And part of that is, hey, we got an injury, we got to bring in some some other guys, and and to get their cap within our restraints here. Um, you know, we got to ship some guys over to LTIR and if, if you can do that, I mean, by all means do it. I don't think, I don't think there's going to be any team that says, yeah, you know what? Murray's ready to come back, but we're going to leave him on there. And I know there are league officials that kind of look into all that crap as well, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. As for Holmberg, um, I think it's like you said, Alex, it's a, it's a good move to get him down there and just continue to develop him. We saw, we saw it with Timothy Lilligren. You can't have them down there too long. Um, it's, it's, you know, you have them down there, they're, they're playing every night. If he was to stay with the, 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 big club right now, I don't think he'd be getting in the lineup every night. And, um, that's just a testament to, to the lineup that Sheldon Keith puts out there every night. So, um, that said with the moves that are happening, I saw a question raised on Twitter shortly after the trade that, you know where does this put Zach Aston Reese? And and in the offseason, we all discussed how excited we were that the Leafs got Zach Aston Reese. Thought it was a good signing, good depth signing. Now you're now you're bring a Achari. you've got Pierre Angval, who you know, as much as I still am not a fan of his lack of physicality, I think offensively he's starting to, to look a lot better and he's playing better in the offensive zone. Um, and then you have a guy like Joey Anderson who's come in and in terms of a point per game average, he's outpacing Zach Aston Reese. Alex, is Zach Aston Reese going to be the odd man out here if we if we see the Leafs make another uh, depth move?
2: Uh, I honestly don't think so. I think Zach Aston Reese um, brings what he brings. I think he's a guy that he was never supposed to be expected to bring a lot of offense. Doesn't play too many minutes a night. He's just sort of there to be, a, be strong on the forecheck and throw the body. And... Honestly, I think Keith likes him in that role. I really... I If we're talking about leaving Pontus Holmberg in the minors and not waving Zach Aston-Reese, and I think that pretty much spells... I think that pretty much spells Zars' uh, lineup position, to be completely honest. And, uh, you know, it would be nice to see a little more offense from him, but at the same time, for what he brings, uh, like on other sides of the puck, I, I, I really don't mind having him in the lineup. I think it'd be a lot worse if he was somebody who maybe had physicality on the same level as Engvall or Alex Kerfoot. And he was just sort of doing cardio out there, but he is making an impact whenever he's on the ice, he's just not scoring goals. So I think that, you know, you do need some role players like that. And I feel like Zara is going to stay unless they make a really big move. Like he's been, he signed a contract, a a one-year contract. He had, he had PTOs offered from other teams. And if you remember at the start of the season, he said, I'm a loyal guy and the Leafs reached out first. So, um, I, I can't imagine after all that the Leafs are going to be like, hey, so we've made some trades and uh we're not loyal uh, yeah sorry yeah. buddy you're loyal we're not loyal but, uh, <laughs> yeah 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 it's a, it's so, a it's a business right yeah. <laughs> Kyle Dudas just waits till now to drop that line <laughs> no i I really I don't i I can't really see Czar leaving the lineup unless he really starts playing bad, but I think he's been playing fine enough to stay.
1: Well, Peter, Jimmy Smith over on YouTube says Czar is here to stay. What are your thoughts on Zach Aston Reese? Is he uh, is he a leaf till the end of the season?
0: Uh like Alex and Jimmy, yeah, I I, I don't he is here to stay. I, I do agree with that. He does have you know, that factor where he does have that physicality and speed to get in on the four check. And yeah, yeah, the big issue is, is you would like to see a little bit more offense from him. There are times where like he fans on a pass play is dead and it's not a res- It's not an act or like a result of him not trying. It's just, things aren't going his way and you really can't help that. And there are times where he has gotten out of his, you know, little slump and he's starting to show a little bit more consistency. He's back in there, in there right now. So I think maybe if he gets one goal, that may change everything for him. Um, I do think that if you do find a little bit more of an offensive producer, that's just a tad bit more consistent than Zach Aston Reese, then maybe you look at acquiring him and, you know, he bumps down to maybe 13, 14th forward. But at the moment right now, I don't think you could find anyone that just has that little bit more offensive upside because he does everything that a fourth liner should do energy, get in, set up an attack and be physical. And you know, a- again, there are times where he is at the center of a play and it results in a really great scoring chance. And what's going to be important in the playoffs is your depth players. And we've seen time and time again, how the third and fourth lines have stepped up consistently, especially for Colorado avalanche and Tampa Bay lightning in the past years, um, that fourth line, and maybe Zach aston Reese could be a result of being a part or involved in some key and critical goals down the stretch and in the playoffs. So I think he is here to stay for the rest of the season. Odd chance that if they do get somebody a little bit more offensively talented, then yeah, he may get bumped down, but I, 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 I've, I kind of like Alex. I, I, and even Jimmy here, I, I, I really like his play this season. He's done a very good job in that, you know, fourth line PK kind of role that they need.
1: He's a playoff performer. That's, and that, I think that's what it's going to come down to is mm-hmm. this is, you brought this guy in because he's got that physicality. He plays the playoff brand of hockey, and that's something that the Leafs have, have, you know – Been hurting in when it comes to their their playoff hockey uh, over the last couple of seasons. So I think I think Zach Aston Reese is here to stay. I think if you're going to move a guy out, you're going to see a Kerfoot. You're going to see even even a Pierre Engvall. And and like I said, that extra cap space. You need that extra cap space. And and what Zach Aston Reese offers you in that in that area is not is not big enough to 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 you know see him. As the odd man out, and I, I do think that he's going to be a guy that uh, we see stick around uh, till the till the end of the season, anyways. And from there, they can kind of figure out what they're going to do. Um, before we jump into the last couple of notes here, boys, uh, obviously a quick word from our great sponsors over at the Indy Ale House. Hockey is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang? What better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at Indy Ale House in Toronto with two locations in the city at Italy Toronto at Bay and Bloor, the Biroteca location. They have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the Junction at Kiel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers. Perfect for the take for takeout, dine in or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBO, LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto, adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers. For the beer geeks to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options, Indie Alehouse is the go-to on game day this part is of the
2: ad is, oh so, sorry i thought you were done that's no that's right <laughs> I, I visit visit.indialhealth.com <laughs> to place your order today and i was i was just gonna say this isn't part of the ad but I, I you know if you're if you watched our last bottom line show i am a strict lager and pilsner guy i love the instigator ipa yes. normally can't stand ipas it's a great mm. beer and i it absolutely is, it can. is
1: and they've they've got some they've got some new product coming out. Uh, you'll you'll see us tweet it out all the time from the uh, from the shows podcast, and uh, definitely check them out. I you know whenever I can, I grab uh, grab some of their Instigator IPA and sit down for the game. So that's uh, always a testament to them as well. If they if they can produce great beer, you know I'll be drinking it. So
0: absolutely, um, I gotta refill my stock because I certainly right. need yeah, some gotta, right now.
1: Maybe we'll reach out to to our friend uh, Barry in uh, in Toronto and see what we can get and get him to uh, throw us. But, um, (laughs) anyways, gentlemen, wanting to debut tonight, the uh, O'Reilly and Acharya are both on a flight in the air right now, heading.
0: To-
2: they've, they've landed, they've landed. Stadium. They've they landed. There at you the you, you wouldn't notice
0: because, you know, Twitter was kind Twitter. Of wonky, yeah. You know but, what? Yeah. I'm probably
1: like three hours behind. Cause Twitter, uh, <laughs> thanks Elon Musk for, for creating a great product. It is
2: Twitter's working a little, I think Twitter is working now, so it, it is should, up in the running. It should yeah. be fine. But yeah, they're, uh, they landed, I think like an hour and a bit ago. They just, they already did the big inter not introduction, but they, the Leafs, account posted, posted all yeah. the pictures.
0: Yeah. Mike Stevens tweeted out a picture of that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So there you go.
1: They're,
2: they're with their team now ready to play in. <sighs> it's crazy how they're not even going to get a practice in with the team. I know they just jump mm-hmm. right in and I so love it. And I'm sorry, Forbes, just, I know. No, keep... That's fine. <laughs> <Keeps> <laughs> that's fine. I no, I'm smiling. glad you do that. Our, <laughs> but, hey, our
1: back and forth is good here. That's what we, that's why we do this. buddy.
2: I'm just, you know what? I, 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 I love the fact that if you guys, I know I'm pretty sure you guys saw the tweet, but I love that O'Reilly and Achari and were both, adamant to get into the lineup. I love how that, that word was used, how they immediately after the trade happened, they hopped on a plane to Toronto and they wanted to be in the lineup tonight, even though it's a back-to-back. Like when that trade first happened, I was thinking, okay, you know, I'm sure they want to get him into a couple practices with their new team. Um, and, you know, they got a back-to-back against some weaker teams. So it's like, maybe maybe it's one of those things they arrive in Toronto for Monday, practice with the team, get comfortable, and then debut in, t- uh, in Buffalo on Tuesday. But... No, back to back day after they're instantly Ooh. dialed in and ready to go. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I love that Ryan O'Reilly also specifically picked Toronto. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he he, he it wasn't a trade that he wasn't he wasn't interested in. Like they hometown boy, baby. Hometown they said, boy. They said that like that they told him, you know what? We'll try and move we'll try and set up a trade with where you want to go. And he said, I want to go to Toronto. So they That's called a lot. Up Dubas. And you know, you, you wanna have guys like that on your team, so it's big.
1: Absolutely. No. And, and all that in mind guys, like for them to get into the lineup right now, I know it's not your classic rivalry with the, the, the Habs, obviously with so many of their guys out of the lineup and then them, them uh, going hard for Bedard. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I have to say like, where, where, like, where do you see them spotting um, O'Reilly to start to start his Maple Leaf career? Is he a second line winger and they, they shift things around because obviously he's not a guy that normally plays the wing. But uh or is he jumping into three C and playing a little center in that depth role? Uh Peter, what are your thoughts on that one?
0: Yeah, I I just want to jump in that the fact that they said that they're adamant on playing shows the passion. It absolutely shows the passion. 120%. I mean, the fact that they are just coming into this very blind-eyed or very blind. Just winging it, kind of thing. He says that you know what they've seen what this team is. They they played against them twice. They know what this team is capable of. The skill set that they have, and I think they're pretty familiar with them. And you know, based on I, I before I get into the projection line of projection, I just want to say that you love to hear when players say that. That means that there is faith in the team and the organization, and they are want to be a part of the solution and get this team past the hump. Or of where they want to get to pass the first round, so I really, th- I, I really like that. I love that determination, and I love their willingness to just jump right in. Um, in regards to the lineup, yeah, I in my recap of the trade, I I mentioned that this gives them plenty of options. Actually, um, you can have a center depth of Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly, David Camp, and then you can slot you know Noel Chari either on the right wing side in the third or fourth line fair enough i i could totally live with that but if you don't go for a top six forward and you want to try o'reilly and swap him into bars every now and then on the wing why not give that a shot i mean why not give Noel chary the center death roll because he or the center or you know push david camp for that third center line or fourth center line because he can do just that. The same thing. So you have plenty of options if you're Sheldon Keith. Do you want to put both on the wing? Put both at center? It, it's totally up to you. I think both are going to thrive and excel, um, no matter where they are in the lineup. And you know, I I I just want to say that you know Noel Chari is probably going to be the most underrated pick that pickup that the Maple Leafs will have in some time, considering the fact that he does play that gritty physical game. 168 hits led the St. Louis Blues he's now basically leading the team right now or he's going to be first in hits um, overall but he has that grit the sandpaper the intensity that that is made for a playoff hockey same with Ryan O'Reilly and if it comes to a point where I'm pretty sure you guys remember like in 2017 or 2018 Noel Chari uh, on the Boston Bruins you know scoring goals against the Maple Leafs putting that dagger right through our hearts how sweet is that going to be if he does the exact opposite, but wearing a blue and white uniform against the Bruins, should we get to that point? I'm absolutely really looking forward to that because that would just, everything will come around full circle. Achari like was sort of like a leaf killer back then, but could be a Bruin killer right now.
1: Scores the, uh, scores the, um, the, the series clinching goal against the Bruins. That'd be nice. A little, little reverse. uh, uh,
0: Palpitations going, you
1: know, little, little nerves. Before I throw it to you, Alex, I don't know if you guys can. will be able to see this,
2: but a uh, little closer, oh, little, man, I, little, I think closer. the closer you put it to the camera, the better the focus is going to be. Yeah. Oh, Ryan better. O'Reilly, anytime. There you, scorer, okay. there you go. Okay. Yeah. There you go, boys. All,
1: All right. right. So I got it. I got it going for tonight. Anytime goal scorer, let's go Ryan O'Reilly. But Alex, where are we placing Ryan O'Reilly in this lineup? Should we get him on that second line with JT and Mitchie and get him his first goal out of the way and win me some money? Or
2: what are we we thinking here? (laughs) I think he can score his first goal playing third line center, man. I don't think it matters where you put him. I think the other thing, too, is that he's going to get some good power play time as well. And it'll let them spread the wealth out a little bit on the power play units. I think they're going to start him at third line center because – you know, as tempting as it is to throw Achari into that third line center role and have O'Reilly as the second line winger, man, you just can't, you, you cannot make an argument against center depth of mm-hmm. Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly up the middle with yeah. camps on the fourth line. Like, come on. So I think the Leafs really like O'Reilly's face-off abilities and his, his general defensive abilities as a center. And O'Reilly's or uh, Achari's not a slouch either. I think you could either put him on the third line or the fourth line and he'd, he'd mesh well in both. So the beauty of the situation to me is that one of those things, um, one of those things doesn't have to be that the thing for the rest of the year, right? Like you can, you can adjust it. You can, if you need to get some offense going, you can throw O'Reilly on the second line. If you're, if you want to play conservative and really shut down the, the opposing team, you can use him at third line center. There's so many options here. And I want to give a shout-out to my my little brother. You can follow him on Twitter, at Varsho MVP. You can tell he's a Blue Jays fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, he tweeted, and this is most accurate tweet I've ever seen. He says, number one thing I know about Nola Nolachari is that I fucking hated him when he was on Boston, so I'm hyped we got him. And does that not spell, the, does spell it out perfectly right there? Nolachari was one of those players. Him and freaking Sean Corelli were two guys yeah. on those 2018 and 2019 Bruins teams that I was just like, fuck hear these guys names all the time they just they're, they're shutting down the leafs they're just such mm-hmm. a pain in the ass to play against so but very very rare too that the leafs go
1: and get somebody like that that was a, mm-hmm. p- a thorn in their side right normally yep. normally somebody that was on our team you know goes off to a, a team within the division and ends up being a leaf killer later in their career but um quick uh quick question actually before we get to the question here i i will say too, i think it's great to have him at three C. I think it'll be good for the for the entire lineup. I think tonight they start him at at uh, the wing just uh, to give him a you know get him going, get his feet under him with yeah. the Leafs, and and give him the opportunity, and then maybe shift him late in the game. But I I do think that you're going to see uh, Sheldon Keith you know play the blender with with Ryan O'Reilly on multiple occasions throughout the remainder of the season because he's going to have the opportunity to do so. Um, and and with the strength of that lineup, I mean. Having a guy like Ryan O'Reilly play next to JT and, and Mitchie on that second line is going to be incredible. But as three C, he'll also he'll also um, you know create a little bit more of that uh depth offense throughout the lineup as well, which is going to be important uh heading into the playoffs. Um, quick question from Logan Stone on YouTube. Um, do you like the trade if he returns to the blues when his contract is up? Uh Alex, I'll throw it to you first.
2: Yeah, I do, and honestly, right now I'm looking at it as if he's going to leave after the season ends because, like Duba said, there's no talks of an extension right now. So, uh, as of right now, you have to assume that he's being used as a rental. And if the Leafs can man- manage to bring him back, I think that, I think that that's a great that that that'd be a great ending to the story. But that's not something that I that I think the Leafs are even thinking about right now. And it's just like we said earlier on in the episode, you know trading a first and prospects and all that for a rental is not ideal, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And you know, the Leafs needed to make a big move like that because if they didn't, then Tampa would have, or Boston would have. And I think it's just one of those things where you, you know, you, you make the big swing, you take the home run swing right now, and then you deal with the issues later. So um, I think it would be, I think it would be perfect if O'Reilly did resign with the Leafs after this season, because Dubas has a tendency to resign players that he trades for. But at the same time, if it, if he walks, I think as long as they make some noise in the playoffs, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. If it's a first god help me if it's a first round loss and O'Reilly walks, then it's it's really going to hurt and I don't even want to speak about that possibility right don't now. Don't even go that far, man. But but really, like this team is better built for playoff success than they've ever been before and people will laugh and say, "Oh, they say that every year, but the reality is is objectively, whether you're a Leafs fan or a, or a Habs fan or a Sens fan or whether you're just a general hockey fan, you can't look at that Leafs lineup and not say it's objectively the best team they've had in the Matthews era. You just
1: That's just the way it is. Peter, are you okay with this trade if he heads back to St. Louis following uh, following uh, the end of this season?
0: Yeah, Alex summed it up perfectly. And in the event where he does re-sign in St. Louis, no matter what happens, this is a move that they needed to do regardless. Um you wanted to try, you needed to go all in. You needed to prove or the show that the team isn't afraid to make moves and take gambles like this no matter what. Um I do think that, that obviously there's a possibility that he signs in St. Louis. I do think that that there is a slim glimmer of hope that because he willingly wanted to come to the Maple Leafs. I think that there may be some unfinished business on his part and maybe Noel Charlie's part. And they both resign with the Maple Leafs. I tried to maybe to what he's currently making. And obviously O'Reilly taking significantly less than what he made with the 7.5 million. If you could get him under or like in between four to five, I think that'll be more realistic, especially for like two to three years maybe. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think that this is definitely, I'm not going to have any problems with this move if he, no matter what the result is, if he goes back, if he signs here, no matter what, big big gamble, big price to pay, but it's definitely something that they needed to do, and it could be worth it. I think the
2: the the, the way you got to differentiate, differentiate it is, you know, you can have your opinions on the trade and how it ends up working out before mm-hmm. and after the fact, but regardless, I think you got to exp- you got to respect Dubas just for taking that swing. Yeah, like that's you know, even if even, even at the if the beginning o- with even even if O'Reilly breaks his foot tonight, doesn't play another game for the rest of the year, Why? and they go out Why? in round one. Sorry, I'm Why? sorry. Why? Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, uh, sorry. You,
1: you this took me back to when we when we brought Doug Gilmore back. He went
2: out for three seconds and like crushed his <laughs> injured a first shift. <laughs> yeah, I remember off. that. <laughs> oh That's all God. I can think about. Sorry, I was sorry, man. I was pretty much. I'm pretty sure I was still walking around in, in fucking pull ups when I when that happened. So <laughs> I, I, I I I feel like if I remembered that, then I would have heard a lot more. But you know, even even if point is even if this trade flops in the absolute worst way possible, I'd still be like, you know what, Dubas went for it. And I, like I said in a tweet earlier this year, you know, I'll be able to respect Dubas a lot more. If, if things go badly this year, I'll be able to respect him a lot more if he tried as opposed to if he didn't try and he's trying. Yeah. I I
1: think I personally think Ryan O'Reilly came back because he just wanted to crush the Buffalo Sabres for the next five years (laughs) for wasting his time for, for part (laughs) of his career. Um, But no, no, in all, in all honesty, I, I do, I think that there is a legitimate shot that the Leafs if they find the way to work it out cap-wise that they could re-sign Ryan O'Reilly. That said, I don't want to hear anybody from Leafs Nation complain if, you know, the Leafs do flop in the first round, get knocked out and Ryan O'Reilly walks. I don't want to hear a word of it because Especially if you, if you like the back- trade. Well, but if you look back on most of Leafs Twitter over the last 3 months, it's all about going all in and, and this is the year and we got to do it now while Matthews is still here. Cause he's only got one year left on his contract. It's the same bullshit we've seen for years. And now you've, you've gone, you've had a guy like Kyle Dubas go out and make that big trade, get that big name. You gave up a first round pick for it. There's no complaining after this. It, it It's done. It happened. And everyone, everyone wanted him to make a big deal. Everyone wanted him to make mm-hmm. a big deal,
2: and you know exactly. what? This is one of the rare trades where the both ends of the spectrum of Leafs fandom likes this trade. You got the bagheads; mm-hmm. they like the trade because they went out and got a physical player and a guy who's won a cup. And then you've got—I I don't want to use the word Dubasites because you know I feel like that's a dog whistle for anybody that doesn't wake up every day hating Kyle Dubas, but like the people on the other end of the spectrum that think Dubas can do no wrong, obviously love the trade too. It's just one of those rare moves where both sides, everybody mm-hmm. kind of comes together. Is like, yeah, this is a great mm-hmm. deal. And you've got the few that are trying to compare it to the Felino deal and few that are trying to, and you know what, while we're on that topic, I'm just going to try and debunk that right away. I said this in a tweet yesterday as well. If you are comparing the O'Reilly deal to the Felino deal, don't stop it. There are no similarities. And the only similarity I can even think of is that Felino got injured and had a bit of an injury worry when the Leafs traded for him. Ryan O'Reilly blocked a shot with his foot and broke his foot. That's his injury this year. It's not a chronic back issue like Nick Felino had. He broke his foot blocking a shot. And before that, his injury history, I want to say it was like five games five years ago with an oblique injury. He had, a, he had an appendectomy, uh, I think the year before that. And then he was fine for a couple of years. And then... I think COVID was his next injury. So this guy's not a band-aid. Like he's, he, he hasn't had a great year this year, but the we're blues talking did about either. The blues yeah, didn't either. Beginning, B- yeah. Fucking yeah. Bennington can't make a save. Yeah. Like the, the blues team this year. He's just,
1: too worried he- about fighting other players that <laughs> he hasn't focused on actually being a goaltender at the NHL level. He's
2: too focused on being a tough, a fake tough guy. That's yeah. the big thing. Yeah. But you know, and the other thing too, one, one more thing trying to slash this comparison of Felino and, and and O'Reilly Nick Foligno hit 73 points in like 2014 and hit 51 points. That was his next best, next best high. After that, he's been a very consistent, like 30 to 40 point player. And Ryan O'Reilly is up until this year has been close to a point per game player every year. This year he's, is literally his only bad season to date. So there, there, there's just no comparisons to be had here between Felino and O'Reilly. So if you, if you've got that worry in your head, I understand it because of how bad that Felino deal panned out, but there's no comparisons to be had.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more uh, before we get to our last question here. Um, your guys thoughts on, is it, is it too early to predict a winner? And, and I'm going to, I'm going to reference Mike McKenna here who, you know, hopefully we'll get on the show at some point, but he said, He loves the return for the St. Louis Blues. He's not overly excited for what Toronto got out of this deal. He has to wait and see what the outcome is. Alex, your thoughts on this. Do we have a winner? Do we need to wait? What are your thoughts? We
2: need to wait, first of all. But I don't really understand the logic in saying that the Blues immediately get an A for getting a bunch of mystery boxes and draft picks and prospects, but the Leafs have to wait for getting two established players. Like. Yeah, I, I, obviously, if they if they go out in the first round and and O'Reilly and Achari don't contribute all that much, then then yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a bad deal for the Leafs. But right now, I, I don't think you can really say there's a winner for either side. I think it's a good deal for both sides. Shout out to the Variety Sports Network, uh, St. Louis-based. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. it, it works out kind of perfectly that we're doing this with them right now yeah. because it's a big trade for both teams. Yeah. I think the blues got a great return to be completely honest, you know, for, for a guy that there's the potential he could resign in St. Louis over the summer. And, you know, the fact that they were already so far removed out of the playoff race, like getting four draft picks or whatever it was and two pro, or a prospect and, and a roster player. I, I think that's a great return for a rental. So I think this is a good deal for both sides.
1: Peter, your thoughts uh, is Mike McKenna on to something, or do we need to wait and see what we get with O'Reilly
0: and Archari? I mean, based on history, from what we all know, yeah, we we should wait and see for the Maple Leafs. But then again, I think kind of like the whole uh, Vladimir Tarasinko trade, I think that they were more worried about the or more concerned about the picks than they are about the actual players that they got in return because uh, Sammy Blay and then, you know, a C-level prospect wasn't that great of a return if they're looking for some help right now. Totally understand that they wanted the pick. Same thing right here. Mikhail Abramov, you know, decent prospect, B to C level, but at the same time, really hasn't quite taken that next step. Was over, you know, um, you know, kind of got bumped down to the 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 prospect, the prospect, uh, the team's prospect depth, um, you know, further down with names like Holmberg, Steve's McMahon them having standout seasons and standout performances. And even Adam Gaudet too. I know I was high on him before. Hopefully he could have gotten a chance to maybe get some NHL time, but at the same time, he's just still been in the AHL. So I think right now the picks are more important than the actual roster players that the players are getting back. Um, But yeah, you know, for them to get the, for the blues to get the picks that they did big win for the Maple Leafs again, to be determined.
1: I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Leafs won the trade. And here's why. They, they please the fans. They please the 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 people that have been on this team for so long to m- make that big deal. They got exactly what they wanted. And on top of that, they got a Stanley Cup champion, a Conn Smythe winner, um, a guy who yearly should be up for the Selkie. And they got a guy, a depth player in Achari, that's going to go out there and give them big minutes and big tough minutes in, in the playoffs when it comes around to that. So. I'm going to say the Leafs got what they, they wanted. They, they went out and they got exactly what they wanted. Go take a look at the Leafs Twitter right now. If Twitter's working for you um, and, and you'll see the smile on O'Reilly's face. That's a guy that's happy to be here. That's a guy mm-hmm. that wants to play for this team. That's a guy that wants to don the blue and white. Um, and then <laughs> while we're at it, go check out Jay Rosehill on Twitter as well, because he just, he just tweeted a video of uh, O'Reilly's curve on his new stick. And uh Man, it's, it's something else. It's something I've never seen before. So a little fun for you as we close out this episode. But last thing before we go, guys. Two names off the lease roster right now that will not be here past deadline. Peter, go. Uh, Kerfoot and Hall. Alex, are, are you on the same boat?
2: I I want to say yes, but I also don't. Like I think we've been talking about this these guys being traded for like three years now. So That's true, much yeah. <laughs> like the O'Reilly trade, I wanna I need to see it to believe it. So
1: all right, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Robertson and uh, Engvall. Robertson and Engvall not on the lease roster after the deadline. Um, but uh, anyways, gentlemen, um, last little closeout note from our friend Cody, who's tuned tuned in this entire episode. Hell yeah, boys! Love an ice cold beer. Well, Cody, check out the NDL House. They've got some incredible beers, um, and they support this fantastic show. And uh, he wanted to know when we're next in Toronto. We won't be there for some time. We're doing the lives right now remotely. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back at the bottom line at some point. Um, and when we are, hopefully, you'll drop in and, and uh, grab a beer with us. We'll, uh, we'll be there we... doing.
2: A, we'll be there doing a live pod for the Cup Parade. We'll talk the cup Parade. Go. That's right. Yeah. And All Star Weekend next year. Yeah, all-star weekend
1: will be there for it but yeah um anyways boys uh, anything else before we close it out go leafs go baby
2: have the passion yeah it passion is, us
0: all <laughs> passion is alive and well in the city right now so i, I i'm curious to know how many ryan o'reilly and Noel charlie jerseys are going to be sold probably more o'reilly than achari but you know what hey i i want to i want to see that 90 with o'reilly on the back that's going to look very very fun
1: Peter's locking in his Achari order right now. He'll have yep. uh, he'll have that for the next pod. But um, aside from that, boys, um, go go O'Reilly. Go get me go get me some bank here, buddy. Uh, get your first in, <laughs> with the Leafs, and I'll be, I'll be a happy camper. Otherwise, as always, folks, thank you for joining us on episode one fourteen of the podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Andrew G Forbes a hops and media for alex and p barracchini great follows as always or you can follow the show at sticks in the six pod check us out on twitter instagram tiktok uh we're getting some great comments on tiktok too you guys should check that out some of these nut jobs on tiktok it's fantastic I've, i'm too old for tiktok but i'm using even, it <laughs>
2: i'm not gonna lie man i don't open tiktok ever so the only reason yeah. i do
1: is to see the responses to some of the videos i didn't I even this realize
2: is like is it- I didn't even realize we were getting engagement on there. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. Some, some good
1: engagement. Um, <laughs> and and be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well as we continue to push this uh, show to take that next step. Um, shout out to the Variety Sports Network for for having us on. Uh, based in St. Louis, as mm-hmm. Alex mentioned. And as always, to the folks at Indy Ale House for continuing to partner and support this fantastic show. Um, I always love joining you boys uh, weekly to talk our Leafs. Go Leafs go, and until next time, episode 115.